When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Lepondra looking to get side of Bond. Lepondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, we're back. Part two, 2023. Here we go. This, this, I mean, this half has to be a little bit better, right? Like, it's got to be better than the first half we've just recorded and put out there into the world and you've just listened to because, I mean, it can't be as bad as that, surely, Paul. Yeah, this is the one when we talk about our amazing push to win the title. We're, you know, top six, everything's going brilliantly. Uh, we've bounced back, we've made some fabulous signing, the owners like really stepped up, everything's going to be glorious. And, that's how it's going to go, isn't it, Matt? Because that's how it's meant to go when you get relegated. Absolutely. Relegations don't go bottom of the table by November or whenever it was. And, you know, not losing all of your first, what, eight away games. This I'm I'm very excited for this this episode. We can we can finally have some upbeat chat. I don't know if it's going to be that upbeat, I'll be honest. Sorry. To burst the bubble there. <laughs> it might I be some upbeat moments. said everything there, didn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no, I don't I want to really think about whether it would be upbeat or not. Uh, but I'm not sure there is going to be that much up there. Maybe there will, but there's some positive moments, I guess, isn't there? Some positive moments. Because we started off after we got relegated and it was kind of confirmed that was the end of Noel Hunt's reign. And we went into summer with no manager, no players, basically nothing as a club, essentially. Paul. and um reading did the very very long and thorough search after the the funny thing is of course is that paul lintz got a point in it was a very thorough search which took all of about four minutes asking somebody in the changing room who could take over whereas this manager search took years decades off people's lives that's how long it went on for because i don't think we we didn't appoint a manager until what was it late july i want to say in the end yeah, and we ended up with a name that we all expected. Yeah, Chris Wilder. Oh, shit. No, we ended up with um, uh, Ruben Nevis. Oh, no, no, not Ruben Nevis. Oh, Ruben Sellers. That's the one we ended up with, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
Who would have predicted that, that, you know, when he was Southampton manager in the Premier League for a brief period last, at the end of last season, that he'd be in League One, the next one. I mean, nobody would have seen that come in. Um, I don't know what it is about Reading and these crazy appointments. In fact, that's bullshit. We all know what it is about Reading FC and these crazy appointments. It's the people who are in charge of above Boeing and all that shit. It's Kieran and all these twats, isn't it, basically? But, yeah, I don't know. It's just depressing, really, isn't it? But fair play to Ruben. He's trying his best. So that's what we can say on him. I'm, I, I'm, I thought Wilder was appointed. I mean, twi- <laughs> Twitter, the, 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 the Twitter rumour sphere... No, oh, uh, I've, I've I've been living under a rock. My apologies. No, Celes. I mean, yeah, he kept, like I mean, no one. I think even in their wildest of dreams, uh, please excuse the pun on that one. Not pun. Um, would have expected Wilder to come in. Um, you know, I think had that have happened, it would have been something that. Yeah, well, I think by this point, he would still not have been here. I think he would have walked after a few weeks of just seeing how bonkers Reading FC was. And I think, you know, I think Sellers unfortunately, was just the one crazy enough to try and take over. You know, um, we weren't um, looking spoiled it, for have, choice. Looking back at it, I have to say, Chris Wilder was an incredibly ambitious choice. Like, I know he, I know he got sacked at Sheffield United. Um and people kind of said, oh, well, he's going to have to take the job lower down the pyramid and stuff. But even looking back at it now, it was an incredibly ambitious, like, appointment, wasn't it? To try you and do get sometimes Chris it, though. You do sometimes see it because um, Mark Hughes went down to Bradford, Bradford City, and I think it's still there, I think. Lee, Lee Johnson went down to, to, to League Two, I think. Um I think these uh, are these are these are quite different from someone who's just finished managing in the Premier League, though. Like, I'm not sure. Lee Johnson know. has got comparisons here to Chris Wilder. I mean, no, come no, on. no, come on, no. It wasn't Lee Johnson. It it, it was Neil Harris because he's he's now back in. Um, still, still, still in it's not. No, no, no. It's, it's not. It's not a wild one. That's a wild um, take. There, man. That really <laughs> is. Um, but I, I mean, it 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 was so just like fanciful you just couldn't really i mean i i it was hard to believe at the time but then you had all the twitter rumors and everything but i mean it never like like say alex it was it was an ambitious target how close we were to actually getting that target that we wanted i guess we'll never know um like i say i think even if we did get him he wouldn't have lasted longer than three or four weeks because i think frankly he would have walked away because of how much of a circus we were you know in that well Stellar was announced in like the most under stated manner possible wasn't it if i remember it's correctly it's ev- like a it's like a everyone knew well it was it was almost like a two-line statement mm-hmm. on the website saying subject to visa ribbon sellers will be the next manager of running football that was it there was nothing about like he's done this and this and this in his career and this is ribbon sellers and here's an interview and it was just nothing it was that so was understated and this nothingness because he hadn't got a visa by the time we actually by the time we signed the contract well, he he hadn't got the visa because uh, well because we hadn't done HMRC or something, was it? It, it was it was a just a complete. It, it was a train crash of of things that came in because I think he he that statement came in. I think it was late eight, um, uh, late June, um, and it got to the point where I think the club just had to put out something right because we're now in pre season and don't have a manager. 
you know, they, they they had to put something out and they put out that just in because I guess by all case and purposes, it was going to happen. And it did in the end, but it just took forever after. This also brought us the golden era of people zooming in on Reading FC YouTube videos of Ruben Sellers stood there on a bank at Bearwood <laughs> watching the training. But clearly, 100%, absolutely no way taking part or, or you know, leading it or participating in it. I mean, uh, if you are listening, the visa people, he was not doing anything wrong there. Absolutely nothing. Well, I think, wasn't he, wasn't he a guest when they went to Spain on tour? A guest, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it completely wasn't natural. Yeah, <laughs> guest. Um, of course, we didn't really make any signings either, particularly, did we? Uh, hmm. By by this point, because we couldn't bring any players in, so I think they went to when they went to Spain. They they basically had signed nobody, and then all of a sudden, we went through like a flurry of bringing in these free transfers from absolutely nowhere, and uh, we got Sam Smith and. Harvey Nibs confirmed almost like back to back essentially. And that actually made me kind of excited and thought, you know what, actually that's not bad. And then Lewis Wing came in and that, I think someone said that was like their, you know, not their moment of the year, but I think they said it was like one of their most memorable, memorable bits of the year was uh, that we signed Lewis Wing and it it felt like there was actually going to be some, you know, some promise to what we were going to do this year. Mm -hmm. And obviously Charlie when Savage. we got Charlie Savage as well, there was also a little bit of, you know, excitement about him Savage signing. Savage I, think he yeah, I mean, I think Lewis Wing and Sam Smith have proven to be, and now he definitely is coming in. Nibs have all been good signings. I don't think we can look at any of them and say that they haven't been bad. I think they've delivered what we'd expected and maybe Harvey Nibs slightly more than we expected at this moment. Now he's playing his right position. Even even the likes of I think Savage, who I think you know was probably hoping for, you know, a, a better season maybe than he's had so far. I think you know for and still kind of when when you look at the deal that you know was I guess brokered, you know, free transfer. You know, it's always going to be harder when when you're not you know buying players off clubs because they're you know a player that you know is is an off cut at that point. But yeah, you know, I mean, the, the season started to look a little bit up there. But I mean, one thing. Ruben did always say, and kind of, I guess I, I might be jumping ahead a bit to the to, to the forum he did a couple of games in was that kind of the the hampered preseason will kind of slow our start to the season, um, and that's one thing he had obviously massive kind of troubles with across the, across the summer. It doesn't matter who you bring in if you can't do preseason in a was it a, like a cognitive way, you know, you're going to struggle, and it was yeah, probably well, the pre- worst. Preseason wasn't exactly good, was it? I think we lost. Didn't we lose every game in preseason? Every game and only scored two, I think, and that was against Southampton, wasn't it? I I, I struggled to remember as ever losing every game in preseason before. Um, I know the one hundred and six season or something. I think no, they won a game. No. I, okay. I I remember seeing this one. I had to go and look it up. This yeah, is a myth, they, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They won a game against like Farnborough. Oh, um, it's still mighty, mighty Farnborough <laughs> win. Whereas Reading, Reading this year didn't win against anybody. They lost to Sutton, who are bottom league two. They lost. They lost to Southampton. They lost to I can't even remember who they played in Spain this year, but they lost in Spain. Mm. Um, lost to Wimbledon in a friendly. They just Wimbledon lost to was Spain. Wimbledon was Spain. Oh, Wimbledon. Okay, mm. yeah, but they just lost to everybody. Um, 
and then we got to you know we got to the start of the season and our first game was against Peterborough and it, like it just was not a it didn't really feel uh, to me at least that didn't feel like a particularly league one type of game against Peterborough because obviously we've played them quite a few times in the past couple of years we we weren't that bad against Peterborough either. Um, like and kind of looking at where Peterborough are now, Peterborough obviously massively kicked on and probably the best team in the division at this point. But I remember watching that game, and I mean it might become a recurring theme again, but Paul, I remember watching Peterborough and just thinking, like, i we, 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 we'll we'll probably pick up, you know, more than enough, you know, points here to be mid-table if this is gonna be one of the better teams in the division. And we were probably unlucky to lose that game. I agree. I, I, I'd looked at that. I remember looking at it and thinking, wow, there's a big drop in ability in League One. And uh, I haven't changed my mind on that at all. In fact, it's got even more stark as I've seen the teams down the bottom, including ourselves. Um, League One is really poor quality compared to the Championship. But that game alone, you know, I didn't think, I think we were very competitive. We did have some chances. I think Kelvin missed some chances maybe in the first half. I mean, it was obviously very raw then, very you know new for him starting games and everything. But yeah, I felt relatively optimistic that we could be okay. I didn't think at any point that we'd be near the top of the league. I didn't feel that. I didn't see that. But I guess realistically, I'm just thinking, just want to stay up. Because of course, you look back at it and think, oh, Kelvin started. That's strange. Why wasn't Sam Smith starting? Oh, he got injured during preseason. For three mm. months, of course he did. That makes sense. Yeah, he'd barely been injured for two years, but he went to Bearwood, and that's it. It was literally within a week as well, wasn't it? Because it, because I think he played forty-five minutes of that preseason again. Training session or second training session or something like that. <laughs> when you talk about Reading F thing, things that are Reading FC, that is just it. Like you say, Paul, no injury, impeccable, really. For you know the time away from Reading, comes back to Reading now. Nah. You know, there must be something in the, they must be giving out sweets or something in the treatment room or something. There must be something that. <laughs> so we had, we had that game against Peterborough. Um, and then in midweek, we had the first round of Carabao Cup away at Millwall. And Reading put on one of the best away performances I've seen for literally years. Won 4 0 somehow with a bunch of kids playing, uh, which ended up becoming the kind of first team eventually. And I have no idea really how they did it now looking back in honesty because i don't remember Millwall being awful that night but also Millwall played a relatively strong team not super strong but it was relatively strong and yet reading just blew them away i remember doing the preview um with with with, with the chat from Millwall, and i was speaking to him um after the game and he was saying it was it was pretty much their starting 11 i think there was a couple of players including the goalkeeper, Biakowski, who I think was dropped, unsurprisingly, because he wasn't the best in that game. But that actually, the, that game really breeded some hope, didn't it? Because you had you had the, the Peterborough game where you think it was it was OK, you know, like, like we lost, but, you know, this is going to be a strong team in the division and we've performed well against them. And now we've seen our kids come in against, a, again, against a strong, experienced team and put in a fantastic performance. There was hope there. Um, you know, and he thought, right, maybe, you know, we've we've shifted out all the higher or a lot of the high earners. Yeah, all the high earners, I'd say, you know, in that summer, we've got a really good crop of young players coming through. If we can mix these together, we could have, a, you know, like a relatively good 
building block here okay that, so hmm. one of the answers to the questions we put in is uh was i think one of the questions was like most memorable moment something like that um a worst moment worst moment of the year and somebody's uh somebody's reply was losing at port vale welcome to league one you still are going to lose every week well, that, that Port Vale was the most welcome to League One first away trip we could have probably had because not only is it like, like yeah, no disrespect to Port Vale, but not, not only is it, 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 it is it Port Vale, but you're also to get there. I never got there, it has to be said, but you got to drive past the Bet365 Stadium, Stoke City, where we were playing it previously and many seasons before to then get to Port Vale and then drive back past it. It's That was a very welcome to League One game and how it went. So exactly how far did you get towards Port Vale? Not even Oxford. If you if if you know the road to Oxford, that there, there, there's a bikers cafe. I've forgotten the name of it, but yeah, there's a bikers cafe just after. I think it's Benson. Um, I got there. Th- thank you. Um, whatever that road is, and it's potholes that have since been resurfaced. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. I did get a very good full English out of it though, at my expense, but. I can't say I had a particularly good day, even though I managed to get to the football because I only carried the penalty in like the tenth well, minute. The, I was the, standing there with Paul and Paul and Dave at the game, and after about ten minutes, I was like, "Wow, this is really, really good." Like we we're absolutely battering Port Vale. It's like men against boys. We got a penalty, and I was like, "This is fantastic. We're going to win this three 0 easy." Andy Carroll misses, and then I watched the worst performance I've ever probably top five. Worst performance I've ever seen from a striker ever. The split in emotions that day, though, were really quite stark because you went from, I mean, Dave came to the rescue. He was brilliant that day. He he was he was lifeboat for Paul and Alex to get to get them up to up to uh, uh, Port Vale and Stoke. I wasn't very happy at that stage because not only is it the first away game, I've now got to fork out quite a lot on some new tyres and I've missed the game. and I wasn't very happy. I got home, and then I also couldn't couldn't, couldn't watch the match. But then I was able uh, I was able to get it up, and I got it up pretty much just as the Andy Carroll penalty happened. And again, there, there were so many signs from God that day um, that that should have just switched me off. And um, yeah, that that Andy Carroll penalty wasn't brilliant. And I'm pretty sure I don't remember any the other. I'm pretty sure I switched off that point as well because. I watched the Lionesses that day as well, and I switched on pretty much as we conceded and switched off just before we could, we scored back. I tell you, um, that performance from Andy Carroll that day was unacceptable in every single way. That was part of my anger towards him in that first half of these podcasts, if you want to listen to that, when, oh, that was just disgusting. The way he just got completely bullied by the Paul Vale centre-half. And I cannot remember his name. I know that the Paul Vale on the preview. Smith. He was, he was, he, he, he did warn him that he likes to pinch a little bit of fat and really get under his skin and skin. And my God, did he, he just fell for it completely. And for a senior player of his, you know, experience to just yet again, it was a sign of his ego and the way that he was more important than the team and just shocking, shockingly bad. And just, Oh, just take me away. If I could erase a game from my last two years, that would be in my top three, Alex, because that was so bad. And it wasn't against Port Vale. They they totally deserved to win. It was miserable, wasn't it? Yeah. So miserable. And then, like, 
happened to get a train back from Stoke. It was just rubbish. Just everything up until about oh, 10 past three. I was quite like, you know, I was quite optimistic. And then it was just after that, it was just miserable. And I was like, oh, wait, we're in a different division. We're still shit. Um, <laughs> we're still absolutely awful. And it, I mean, it did get better after that. We won two games in a row at home. Um, and actually looking at the game against Stevenage now, we won 2 nil against Stevenage. Um, I know they were down to 10 men, but that's actually quite a good result now, looking at it, given that they're in the top four, I think, at the minute, it, we, as we speak, going into the last couple of games before uh, before New Year. So that's actually quite a good result. And then comes uh, the third kit launch at the end of August with what could only be described as an actually an actual good event put on by Reading FC. You know, it doesn't happen on the pitch very often, so it was nice that it did off the pitch, Paul. Yeah, it's brilliant, the event at the Turtle uh, with the Amazons. Uh, Reading, yeah, Reading icons, legends, whatever you want to call them. Um, they did a set as well, revealed this kind of like kit and... Just a really good atmosphere in there, Matt. I mean, you were there as well. I mean, I couldn't say anything um, bad about that night. No, I thought it was fantastically organised by the club. If there's one easy win the club want to do, you know, in all the midst of what's going on at the moment, I'm starting to get fans back online and on board. It's doing events like that because that that I know we're not talking about an on on pitch event being a real high point, and that might be a bit sad to say, but that was a real high point because like you, you had five six hundred. Reading fans there just having a brilliant night. It helps, obviously, you know, you know, myself, well, all three of us are big fans of the Amazons and had a brilliant night there listening to some great music. Um, and I'm a big fan of the third shirt. Well, yeah. I'd like, like, like that third shirt, launching it in the turtle. I mean, I wish there's a way that we can, like, like do something like Brentford have done and just say, you know, we're going to keep this kit for like two or three years, you know, um, because I love that shirt. It's it's the purple it's the purple shirtle it's a it, it's it's a iconic shirt I think at this point. I, I I do have to point out just before Paul, um, the person whose worst moment of the year was the home kit dropping because it's that bad. <laughs> now I understand you might not like the home kit this year, but really that was your worst moment of the year. Like I know it's <laughs> in a year of relegation. I know it's you not know, a great home oh, <laughs> This is this is the bad point about about these spreadsheets. We can see the answers, and um, but bad ones might be commented on. <laughs> but we enjoyed it. It made us laugh anyway. It did so make us laugh. Important. So fair play. It, it, and and I agree. Say, it's not a great home kit, but it's it's no. better looking at stuff like that. I think, that I, than can, the I, think I can come up with some worse moments other than that. Do you know what the kit that we got relegated in was even worse at home? That was bad. And I, I have totally backed the idea and the concept behind it, but it didn't look good. I, I didn't like that at all. No, it didn't have many plaudits, did it? Matt Lansley's sitting there. I can see him thinking. He's like, I don't even remember the kit we got reggae. No, I, 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 I was thinking. I, I, I was, oh, it was the stripes. It was only six sorry. months ago, but he's completely like lost it already. Um, um, yeah. We went on to lose two more away games in a row, obviously, both late on. 93rd minute and the 83rd minute against Exeter in Cambridge and I remember leaving uh, Cambridge away with Matt um, and on the way out I heard somebody say well it can't get much worse than this now really losing late on at Cambridge 
how wrong you were. I can't remember who, I don't know who said it. it was just oh, it can. It can. And he said, oh, I can't get much worse than losing to Cambridge. And I was like, well, we've still got to play X, Y, Z, all the way from home. It's going to get worse than this. Um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, that's and that that was the third away loss then in the season already by that point away from home. Um, and do you know what the frustrating thing was? Is that we'd actually beaten Millwall, obviously, and then like what ten days after, two weeks after, went to Exeter and won nine nil away from home. So oh, it's just it seems completely uh, completely at odds with what we've seen in the league. But before that. Um, Exeter game. We did have the game against Bolton at home as well. Um, and the game against Bolton was the first kind of I guess show of show of protest with inside inside the stadium from uh, from fans, Paul. Yes, definitely. That was the first time that we actually saw, you know, some real action happening there with the tennis balls, wasn't it? And um, Bolton fans also joined in as well. So uh, well done to them. Credit to the Bolton fans who did take tennis balls off me because they they wanted to join in, which I thought was yeah, hot, hot broth. Yeah, 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 definitely. And um, start of the cell before we die, which we'll come on to and like talk in more depth at some point, I suspect, on this podcast. But yeah, it's just I was just going to gloss over it, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It then, I guess we don't bother. <laughs> Yeah, it's, funny enough, we actually the the first half because I remember obviously we, we did concede a goal pretty quickly after the tennis ball. Just though. after we, yeah, we all it was all our fault. Yeah, we all yeah. remember people who threw tennis balls on are the worst because uh, yeah. we conceded a goal. But then the second half, we actually won. We actually beat yeah. Bolton at home, Matt. And I didn't really think we played that well, and yet we somehow managed to scrape a victory, which was quite good. Um, yeah. We're looking at this though, and I'm, I'm discussing like obviously the fact that we've you know beaten Bolton and it's all well and good and great news that we've beat Bolton. Um, but we actually had been deducted three points about three days before this, which kind of was what was the trigger, I guess, for the action against Dai Young on the field. Um, because we were minus four points by that point, yes, yeah, you know, and um. But even though we were minus four points, it we we still played well against you know again a team that we thought was going to be right up the top. It was a bit like Peterborough, you know, and kind of the, 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 this. We thought we might be starting to see the Ruben Sellers kind of style of play. You know, we we knew preseason it would take a while, it take a while to kick in, but we saw real resilience um, in the team. And again, like I don't think it was unfair that we won that game. You know, we, we were we were good. Bolton I might say they had an off day. They weren't brilliant, but you know, I think we've seen a lot of League One teams at near the top, and none of them have really blown the world away. Um, but you had the underlying problem of the owner and the points deductions that have mounted up, which it was the third season, obviously in a row at that point. 
um and it was always going to you know kick off from there um you know i think i have to say looking back we actually won we won three of the first seven and we lost four of the first seven but the, some of the losses obviously we lost at port bay and we lost at exeter lost at cambridge it wasn't like awful those first seven games it only really kicked in being awful after we won mm. nine or extra a couple of days after the Bolton game ironically unbelievable and then everything that, that, felt that's the trigger <laughs> yeah that really was the trigger because after that we didn't win for about seven weeks it was um, the trigger for exeter they've been abysmal yeah, they, yeah. down the table we yeah. lost we lost away again at blackpool i feel like i'm just like going over losses away from home here but um second wave of tennis balls with far more people joining in against Burton and that was really like a lot of fans joined in right around the stadium with uh, with that tennis ball protest Reading didn't concede this time at least which was great news but um they didn't really perform on the pitch at all it's fair to say because it was nil-nil we went to Northampton on a midweek night and lost no. Oh, no. and conceded in the last minute with two players sent off one from the bench i want to say year was sent off on the bench year was sent on the oh. bench david button had three clangers thank you very much mr button that was not a fun evening it was just a bad week for david button that week really because he had three clangers was very bad and then we went to Leighton orient and this, this isn't this... going to be the episode when uh Lansley praises David Byrne, is it? It's not, well, you, well, you see, it's very hard to when somebody makes so many errors. I'd love to give praise to David Button. I would honestly love to. No, you wouldn't. No, I would. I would. You wouldn't. No, you, you really wouldn't. No. David Button at the moment is the worst goalkeeper in the in League One. That's statistical. He is the worst save percentage. He's not a good goalkeeper, and he proved it in these two games. Leighton Orient was. It was a big tipping point for a lot of fans. All of a sudden. Yeah people's patience was just gone um i don't think reading played horrifically in this game by any means they didn't play well i don't think that would be fair but they didn't play badly uh one one kind of matched Leighton orient most of the game mm -hmm. up until the 89th minute when reading threw away a point um and let's be honest matt I don't think you left that game, and you probably weren't the only person. You didn't need that game in a particularly good mood. Let's be fair. No, um, it wasn't. It wasn't my finest hour. Um, apologies to Alex's ears after that because I wasn't too happy. Um, I mean, I had seen just two disaster classes in goalkeeping in the same week, and it wasn't wasn't the best. But to, I mean, to see a goalkeeper just drop it in the last minute and you just think you're just about to get your first away point since April, you know, and to just do what he did. And it wasn't even a, like it, it was one of those, which the more, the more you watched it, the worse it got. And I couldn't stomach watching after about like two or three watches. Cause it was just hideous. But I mean, yeah, there was a lot of anger in the fan base and kind of in the away end and leaving. Cause I remember a few, a few other fans passing and again, it was one of the few times that I remember leaving an away end and there was fights amongst the Reading fans. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, the away end. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's it's rare that you see scuffles and fights amongst people who support the same team. Um, mm. That was one of the few times that I've seen it where it's happened in the away end. 
it, it, it just was, it wasn't it, was, it wasn't a nice it wasn't a nice place to be it really it was wasn't. incredibly toxic after that yeah. goal uh conceded and then we had the international break and you thought okay it's a good chance we can reset and maybe improve here but i think one of the things that came up after that match was the players going towards the away end and seeing like players and tears oh, yeah. and some of the players who didn't care enough in perception you know I'm harley gonna... dean laughing at the fans i mean actually alex you you were livid that day at harvey harley dean i remember like you know i feel i was fairly justified in that because i just think <laughs> you, you were still but... livid though you were still living yeah i was yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the confrontation with, with, with the fans wasn't brilliant because it was, yeah, like, I mean, it takes some balls to do that and to stand off against, you know, your fans after that. And I mean, I know some managers would be like, you know, taking the abuse bottle up because you don't want to be back here and use it. But it, it, I guess there might be a time and a place to do that. And maybe that wasn't the time or the place to maybe do that, you know. Yeah. We had the international break. So it was a really good chance to reset, go again. And the next game we had was Charlton away. And Reading took two and a half thousand fans to Charlton. We always take big numbers, to be honest, to London. And, and we have actually travelled really well away from the se- uh, this season away from home. Um, nil-nil the entirety of the first half. We got a really good chance. Um we got a really good chance during the start of the second half. And then we miss, obviously, because that's just kind of typical Reading. And we go on to lose 4-0. So just kind of a another miserable moment there. That was the um, game, wasn't it? That, I mean, that was just horrendous. Um, and I remember... This is the moment when we all start to doubt why the Harvey Nibs was actually any good. And he's proven since he actually has been quite good. Well, the stupid thing is with Harvey Nibs yeah. is that during the international break, we played Swindon in the cup and we yeah. battered them 5-0. I know it was like they're under fours or something stupid, but he got a hat-trick in that game and you were like, oh, he doesn't really do this in the league. Oh, well, not, well, none, none of the players did it in yeah. the league, did they? Because none of them scored, you know? <laughs> Because helicopter we, for a JPT match or wherever it was then. Oh, I mean, you got to say that's that's good going, isn't it? From uh, Reading and Swindon fans, there they, they've delivered the violence that the undertone that the pizza cup has missed for many a year. I mean, <laughs> did much actually happen? Probably not really. There was a few clips on uh, socials, wasn't there? But it was. I loved going to that game. I really did the uh, piece. It, it felt like a bit of a throwback, despite the fact there was only like 6,000 people there. It did feel yeah. like a bit of a throwback. You know, yeah, throwback game most. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it was, like I said, loads of times, it was basically Swindon's under 10s, but we had a young team out and I didn't give a shit. We won 5-0. I'll take it. We followed up the Charlton game with a massive game. How depressing is it? I know, like, you know, realism, we're in League One, et cetera, et cetera. But it is depressing to say we had a massive game, six-pointer against Fleetwood Town in October. It's not even the end of the season. Like, and we're talking about six-pointers against Fleetwood Town. And we still lost. This is our worst performance of the season by a mile. I mean, not only did we lose to Fleetwood, in the first half, they could have easily had three or four 
it was so bad. We were so wide open. We were still playing the formation with the four-two-two-two, and it was just dreadful. I mean, players were dreadful individually as well. It's not all just down to the formation. But, oh, my God, it was horrendous. And to lose it the way that we did at the end as well, Harley Ding getting caught out defensively, 93rd minute, maybe. It was pretty late, wasn't it? And, yeah, I mean, Fleet would bring in 50 fans. Respect to them. But it just kind of summed up the whole evening where we are. It's like, not it, only if we deserve last. It summed up the win. entirety of that run during October and September where we were just losing every week and it felt like there was zero hope. Mm. And basically, we were just doomed to relegation this season. Well, it was it was the fact that, that you like we were losing every week, but every team just wasn't, you know, and it wasn't good. And we were worse. You know, we, we were worse than teams that are just, you, you know, you, you could probably have a toe of quality. And you'd probably somehow get a goal that would would win or make a block that would save a goal. And, you know, it was it was just at this point, it was just relentless at that at the just the constant losing, you know, week on week on week. One of the big positives um, for a lot of people, you know, the most memorable moments that people have put down here is the the march, um, which Sail Before Die organised from from Blue Collar up to the stadium before the game against Portsmouth. Um, I think, to be honest, like I, I don't actually think I'm hyping this up too much, but I think it's probably something that I will remember for the rest of my life that much because it was genuinely like such a big moment. 1,500, 2,000 people taking over the A33, um, like coming together to actually, you know, try and... Uh, Try and push their push their point of view and put their voice across, Paul. Yeah, it was an amazing march. It, it really was from where the cell before we die campaign started. You know, obviously didn't want to even exist because who wants to create that campaign? Nobody does. Nobody wants to be in a club supporting a team that's that bad. I kind of reached the point where you can get, you know, one thousand, two thousand. I don't know how many it was. Like you said, Alex people marching along and it was inspiring seeing all these people when you look back we were right to the front looking back and you think wow there's all these people here who actually do care enough about reading fc to actually it was come seeing out. a lot of faces as well paul right it was seeing so many faces who you sort of recognized or you know knew but didn't know or you'd seen and not seen for a long time and it was people who'd come out of like almost come out of the woodwork to basically. Mm. Yeah, and obviously they him there at the front, and it was great to have him there involved. And you have the local MPs as well did the speech at the end, but it was about the fans, wasn't it? Really, because there's a lot of criticism as Reading as a fan base. They don't care. They're irrelevant. Who you know who cares about them? Well, people do care about that. I don't give a toss what other clubs' fans think, really but it's there, isn't it? But when it comes down to it, when a club's at real massive risk, which, you know, it still is, basically. Nothing has changed. It's actually got worse since then. It, it represents so much, doesn't it, the team? And to see that many people there, if you were part of that, you wouldn't, you'd be hard-pushed not to look back at that in a weird sense of, yeah, pride of being a Redding fan and being involved with that.
yeah, like I said, Paul, I think it's not something that I'm going to forget anytime soon. It's like, it's one of those moments where I feel like you, you'll look back in whatever, five, 10 years when there's a different owner in Reading or in a different division, hopefully one higher than they are now, fingers crossed. Um, I think people will look back and kind of be like, I, I do remember that. I do remember kind of being part of the, you know, part of the march. I do remember being part of the tennis ball protests, etc., and actually like playing my part and putting myself out there. Um, of course, we did go on to lose that game, three two. So that was, um, you know, it. I remember Probably being missed an open goal. I mean, it yeah, is I remember, ready, isn't it? <laughs> I remember being with you there, Paul, at that game. Um, and no, sorry, I remember I was speaking to the person standing next to the game though, and we were two 0 up, and I went, "Wow, this day is going so well! Like the march was really good, everything went off without a hitch, like really good stuff." We two 0 up, like I don't think I could have asked for anything better than this. And then Sam Smith misses an open goal to put his three one up, yeah, and we end up like conceding in the fifty fifth minute of the first half because of the tennis ball protest. Uh, <laughs> And we end up losing the game three two, and it was just like uh, we all knew that that went out. You missed that to make it three one. I mean, it's oh, not yeah, Smith, who's been really good since, but um, yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, that was just typical, wasn't it? It kind of summed up where we are. It's like we've had a fantastic really day. No, here's reality, lads, and uh, all the women that went as well. This is this is what we're gonna have. This is what you're gonna get, and you know it's coming, and just deal with the pain. This is Reading FC, yeah. We got to November um, and we had Shrewsbury away. And, like, I feel like November is a bit of a turning point, at least on the field, Um, because we'd beaten MK Dons in the Cup and got a draw against Bristol Rovers, which, you know, we didn't play very well, but it was a draw and it wasn't the worst result ever. And then we went to Shrewsbury. We went 2-0 up against Shrewsbury in, in the first, like, 15 minutes or something. And... It was 2-1 right up until the 93rd minute. Um, and we conspired to lose. And the, I mean, there is not going to be many times when you go into a game, Matt, in injury time when you're winning and you end up getting zero points. I mean, I'm not even sure we've probably done it where we've taken points off somebody in the 90th minute. I mean, I know we were close with Wigan, you know, the Mo Barrow and Yaku Mate, but I think Barrow's goal that day was, I think, 88th minute or so. It was, yeah. And again, a theme of this season is, I mean, Shrewsbury were probably one of the, if not the worst team I've seen, you know, for quite some time, if not ever, because Shrewsbury that day were embarrassing. And their, their fans as well, like 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 their, their fans were they, they were booing them off. You look on social media and like you know that that they were as shocked as how uh, as to how they won it that as you know I think we were as, as, as to losing it. But you know that was because you know the, the only the only way they were scoring that day was by a mistake which Harvey Nibs gave them and set pieces which we gave them because seemingly we like to do that. You know, I mean and, they they're twenty five percent of their goals this season in that game mm. and we're in almost we're almost in january and a quarter of their goals the entire season came in that match it's incredible i remember doing the podcast with nick the day after and he said if we don't win against shrewsbury when we're 2-1 up like that i don't genuinely just don't think we'll win at all away this season unless we get like a lucky you know red card etc and, and that kind of thing 
I can I tell you, I've genuinely not seen the girls back because I was away at this point and begin, beginning to get quite ill. And I thought, I can't face it. I mm. cannot face watching those two goals because I just, you just, I knew we were going to concede to give away a draw, but the, to give away the winner as well. I mean, that is a real, it was that's too much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, that's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't remember much of the games around that period. It's yeah, I like like you, Paul. It's not something I've, um, I've missed. But that did actually lead on to probably the highest point, Alex. Oh well, probably the point which a lot of people thought was obviously the highest point of the year, which was our we broke our away duck at Wickham. What was it? Just actually because Shrewsbury marked one year. Shrewsbury marked one year without a without a loss away from home. The team just wanted, yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I know what you're going for. Yeah, Wickham away was um, comfortable. Can I say that? It was comfortable, really, wasn't it? Like, we never yeah. looked like we were going to not win that game once we took the lead. Um, I don't really think Wickham ever looked like scoring an equaliser, despite the fact that, obviously, we hadn't won away for a year and we'd thrown away so many points late on in games. It got to the 90th minute of the Wickham game. And it was like, oh. Just no tension. But then the, the final whistle went and the Reading players, some of them were just celebrating like they just won the Champions League. The fans Running over to the well. away end, <laughs> dancing, throwing their shirts in the crowd. And the Reading fans went absolutely ballistic. That, it, it was that was that was a that was a brilliant moment. I mean, that just everything around that day as well. And it was just the irony of the fact that we'd got to a year without a win away from home. And now we've done it. We've done it at Wickham, you know, the closest ground to us, you know, all the conspiracy theorists were probably out, at, out, out then, you know, around travel time and everything. And, you know, we, ah, oh, but the moment was brilliant, you know, and it was really where we started, started to see Sam Smith celebrations as well. Because he obviously got the first that day and gave it a bit to the Wickham fans, which they didn't quite quite enjoy. Um, we got it back to us, obviously, with I think it was Phillips who got the equaliser and gave it back to us. But yeah, it, that that was a good day. And I mean, I mean, Alex, I mean, back 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 to you. It was a day where we could actually leave and enjoy the evening, and we had a fantastic evening that day. You know, le- le- leaving yeah, it that. And... <laughs> it was a lot of fun that 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 evening, and the whole day was good, really, wasn't it? I'll be honest. Yeah. It was, it, it was so brilliant. crazy. Sky Sports put it down as a Wickham goal, didn't they? I want to make it. Too yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even <laughs> even Sky and BBC couldn't believe it. Just it. made up a goal. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, since Wickham, we're, we're, we're kind of coming into more recent times here. We beat, beat Carlisle and then the last couple of games, you know, lost against Barnsley and then two draws. But we had the Derby game in there, Paul, and first game against Oxford United for 20 plus years. And I mean, I wasn't there because I was away um, with it being rescheduled. But I mean, watching it, I think it kind of went down as a bit of a non-event almost. Well, the atmosphere before is really good. And I love the like all the booing and hissing when Oxford had the ball for the first 20 minutes. It, no, that was fantastic. Um, I've got to say the fact that we restricted Oxford to only one shot. I think you've got to put that down as a positive on target. So... Yeah, it was not a great derby. I'm not going to tell you that it was because it wasn't at all. But it's nice to have it back. But I'd quite happily, uh, you know, not continue that for too many years. And we end up getting promoted at some point. God almighty, that's a ridiculous thought. But, you know, who knows? I mean, 
like I think a lot of fans gave it stick and I think a lot of fans gave it stick because it, it didn't have as much bite to it. You know, there wasn't any tackles that went flying in. There wasn't any crunching tackles. But I mean, Reading, like, I mean, the, the second half was a bit dull. But the first half we could like, I mean, when we did the did, did the review of it, we could have had, you know, we probably should have had two or three goals. And Oxford scored with their only pretty much shot in. The, it was their own shot on target. And the other shot they had in the first half was from like 30 yards, you know, and it, it was actually really comprehensive performance and it really like i know again fans being critical and you know complaining at sellers and everything but of of late really you know the, the performances have been one i think a lot better no matter what you kind of want to think or want to believe about the manager if you've made your mind up whether he should stay whether he should go one of the big things is that at least at the moment, we're seeing good performances against good teams as well. You know, we played, I think, was it third, sixth and ninth, you know, in recent weeks. And the performances are getting better. You know, Sellers said about, you know, second half of the season will be good or better because of pre-season. Are we starting to see this? You know, time will tell. But, you know, we're actually going to teams that are good and, you know, up there in the league and starting to perform. But, you know, we'll have to see whether or not they can start backing it up over a really critical Christmas period, you know, when you look at some of the teams that we're now playing, um, you know, can we perform against the Wiggins, against the Exeters now, against the Cheltenhams, you know, but I think even though there's been a lot of negatives kind of in this episode and kind of up to this point, I think there's, there's, there, there, there is a positive of kind of, you know, how performances have taken a lift things are looking better. I, I've got a bit of hope that, you know, we can, we can win, win some games and yes, it's not going to, make us push for the playoffs at the moment. That's not where we are. Hopefully we can pick up a few and get back towards mid-table. Yeah, I mean, the Christmas period is obviously going to be massive. We've got Wigan and then Peterborough and then Cheltenham and Exeter. It's, yeah, it's massive in terms of how we're going to look for the rest of the season. But, I mean, it can't be... Uh, it can't be underestimated, really, Paul, what a shit year it's been, to sum it up. Uh, yeah, shit is, um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, wow, it is, I mean, absolutely horrendous. And we should mention the uh, massive um, protest and all the media that we got at the Eastleigh game in the FA Cup as well. That was amazing and well organised by Sol before we die. And well done to Ian, right, right, right. And um, Sam Matterface for actually putting out uh, proper facts there and ITV for actually showing it. But yes, it has been a horrendous year. Absolutely terrible. Um, the worst year of supporting Reading Football Club. I feel like I've been saying this for the last three or four years, but actually genuinely this was it. This was the worst one, I think, uh, because not only on the pitch is it being terrible, mostly until the last month or so, off the pitch has been catastrophically bad. Um, yeah. Let's just hope that we're sat here. It's that bad. I am just hope that we're sat here this time next year talking about a Reading FC. That's the point that we're at. I really want to say it's been a shit year and things can only get better, but I'm not going to jinx it because mm. 2023 was not great. I really just hope that 2024 is better somehow. They, they they always say at the end of years, don't they? Just sign, sign off, sign off this year. You know, if you've had a bad year, it's like we're not going to talk about this year again. We're not going to talk about it. But like you say, Paul, it's been like that for the last few years. 
And I mean, my God, just how much we just want that to be true one year. And, you know, just like I say, have a club this time next year, have a club that, you know, we can be proud of again as fans, as podcasters, you know, and hopefully just going and, you know, winning a few games, you know, push us back up the table. Yes, you know, we're in League One and not playing, you know, the Cardiffs, the Swansea's, Boroughs, you know, etc. But, you know, let's just get some enjoyment back in a Saturday afternoon. What I wouldn't do to play Preston again. <laughs> There's a sentence I thought I would never utter. Um, I think that's pretty much it, really, for 2023. Obviously, we've still got a few games left, but we're, you know, it's Christmas. You can you can hopefully forgive us for that. We're not going to be recording on New Year's Eve. Um, if you've enjoyed 2023, I don't know why, really. If you've enjoyed EPR in 2023, that's a bit different. We've enjoyed EPR in 2023. Thank you very much. Um, it's been, I was about to say it's been fun. I don't know if fun's the right word, really, Paul. Therapeutic sometimes mm. in the podcast, isn't it? More than anything else. Yeah. And I hope I, it's I, like that sometimes. I think some people, there's some people in the comments have said they've really appreciated the, the podcast being there so they could listen to it and basically hear some people thinking the same things as them or similar things. And, going through the pain of you know supporting a team we do. so bad yeah i think one of the things that I, I do remember reading in the comments was uh you know they're glad that they've got somebody to share the suffering with yeah ultimately that's it yes we're those people that sit there and watch it so you don't have to lucky us <laughs> yeah. yeah um i mean if you have this and this year and you've been a regular or if you listen to one and this is the only one you've listened to thank you very much as we kind of said in the first episode we had a record year which was really nice and ultimately that all comes down to people actually listening to us so thank you very much and if you have enjoyed us this year seemingly i assume people must have enjoyed it a bit more than that if you know if we've done a record year i hope. hope so I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have enjoyed it, please give us a five star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Um, very appreciated. Um, I've got my fingers crossed that next year is going to be better, please, because I feel that these year reviews are just. I was looking back at miserable years every year. So it'd be nice to have a good one. It'd be nice to have a good, have a good one, end it? of year review. It'd be nice to have a Preston one mid table. <laughs> There's the dream. That's the dream. We'll be back very soon uh, after whatever the next game is. Well, the next game is going to be Wigan, but whenever you're listening to this, we'll be back after the next game because that is what we're here for. We are here to be uh, discussing Reading and discussing how they're doing. So we'll be back whenever you're listening after the next game. Until then, have a good Christmas. Enjoy yourself. Be merry. And we will speak to you all very soon. Up the ding.